This is the CIIS Public Programs Podcast, featuring talks and conversations recorded live by the Public Programs Department of California Institute of Integral Studies, a nonprofit university in San Francisco. To find out more about CIIS and public programs like this one, visit our website, ciis.edu, and connect with us on social media at CIIS Pub Programs. Well, I am so excited to talk to you about your book and about astrology, um, because we're obviously both, you know, I feel like anyone who's calls themselves an astrologer is pretty like astrology obsessed. I mean, that's maybe I'm speaking for too many astrologers, but um, it's hard not to be. And when your book came out, I guess I was going to say earlier this year, but it was really like on New Year's Eve, right? Yeah, it was on New Year's (laughs) Eve. That's right. I, what a weird day in a weird year. Everything's weird. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was New Year's Eve on 2019. Yes. This, this beautiful book that you I, um, yes, I, I pre-ordered. It came <laughs> right you. on time. Um, and yeah, I was excited about it because it's a relationship book. Um, and it's an astrology book that's about relationships. That's not super, for one, like heteronormative, for two, um, just about like love and sex, like your book goes way beyond that. And so I wanted to ask you, like, how, what led you to like even get to this point where you wanted to write a book like this? Well, okay. First of all, just thank you for pre ordering and for saying nice things and for looking cute with the book. Uh, so I, as a queer person, as, uh, you know, as a person who's been, I've been reading astrology books since I started studying astrology formally in like 91, 92. That's 1991, 92. That's uh, when I was born. And, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. There it is. The year, the year you were born. She's yes. old. Um, so, so yeah, so I started and what I used to do, and I still have a lot of my original books, um, is I would take a pen and every time they would refer to a person as he, which was literally 100% of the time, I'd write an S in front of each he. And I just like, that was the only way I could learn because I was just like, this isn't speaking to me at all. And I wanted to learn astrology. And so I, I kind of got to a place in my, in my career where I felt like I was like competent enough to write a book because I am, I have kind of high standards for that sort of thing for myself. And so when I had the opportunity to actually write a book, I was like, well, I'm for sure going to make sure it's queer. And more than queer as in like gay versus straight, I mean queer as in questioning everything, queer as in finding, like using astrology as a tool for for finding our agency within our birth charts and within uh, our planetary alignment for people who don't have their whole birth chart. And, uh, And I wanted to make sure that this book embraced and kind of held up friendship because there's, I don't know if there are other astrology books about friendship, but friendship's a huge part of life. I think it's really like an old school way of being to center, like I'm single and I hang out with my friends until I get a partner. And then when I get a partner, I drop my friends because they're not important. The thing that's important is my partner. I say, I mean, I guess I say fuck that. And I also say the astrology of friendship is very much about our platonic loves in our community, but it's also the foundation of our relationships with our partner. Because if you're not best friends with your partner, 
you're eventually going to be bored by fucking them anyway. So you have nothing to fall back on um, unless, of course, you're trapped. So, yes. So I wanted to create a tool that would access all those things. And then I'll just add one last thing, which is the astrology of being in a long term relationship versus dating someone and not being sure what's going to happen or not being sure what you want to have happen. It's different astrology. And I think a misuse of astrology is that people think about like, what kind of a partner is an Aries? But if you're on your third date, that's none of your damn business. You need to figure out what kind of a person that Aries is for you and how compatible you are. Um, so I think there's like a, my hope with the center section, which is about dating and hanging out, um, was to kind of like expand how people think about these things um, and to give them some astrology to do that with. So awesome. a long answer. No, but yeah. I love it. Yeah. And to kind of like talk about just the way the book is structured, there are, it's structured into these three different parts. And um, the first part is like, what is it? Fr friends and chosen family. So yeah, it's about more than even just these platonic friendships. It's going into chosen family, which I think can also just extend to like, your family too like especially you know there are some people some lucky people out there who like their families are their best friends and <laughs> cousins very are best friends lucky. very <laughs> lucky people but yeah yes. yeah and then um, there's so many people who have fucked up relationships with their family of origin and so their friends and their community become their family like i feel like now part of the astrology world is my family sometimes distant family but they're in that section of the book for sure. Yes. 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 I love that. Um, yeah. And then, and then it goes into hanging out and dating, which is like progressing to another level. Um, and then it goes into the long-term relationships. And then in each one of those sections, you talk about every single planet, like in that context, and you go into all the different placements, like in each of those sections, which is just like, like, I don't know if there's any other book out there like that, that goes, to such a detailed level. Um, yeah, what was it like writing that? It was a real struggle coming up with the structure because you're right, there isn't other books like that. I am not a huge, okay, so I write sun sign horoscopes. I'm not poo-pooing upon them slash also, um, it's not my favorite form of astrology. And so, you know, inevitably when I first started telling people, oh, I have a book, they'd be like, okay, I'm a Gemini. Let me go to the Gemini section. I'd be like, good luck with that. Like <laughs> the problem with that is, is it's too simplistic. And if we're going to use astrology to help us individuate and actualize and have healthy lives, my attitude is we have to actually be willing to get into the nuance of things. And the way that I deal with astrology, let me see if I have a good, uh, it's not great, but I'm going to do it anyways because there's a bit of a visual platform here. The way I use astrology is, and no one should be surprised because I'm a fucking Capricorn, is very much about the repetition of fundamentals. I'm all about the repetition of fundamentals and going deeper and deeper and deeper with them. And so, you know, you can look at a pen like this and then you can look at a pen like this for the audio. I'm turning the damn pen. Um, and then you can look at it this way. So it's different angles on the same thing. And when we do that, it's like this cascade of knowledge kind of starts to grow and expand. And that is a huge part of how I work with astrology. And it's actually a really accessible way of working in, with astrology because so many, I mean, you know, it's like there's an 
infinite amount of things to learn. There's an infinite amount of like, I don't know, ways to run the math and to like, you know, look at, I mean, we could even talk, you know, we, we've talked about how systems just between the two of us and stuff. Like there's just so <laughs> many things a person can do. Yeah. And it's not possible to get so wrapped up in the math in the way I use astrology and not lose track a little bit of the human that we're looking at, I think. I'm sure it's possible. I just don't find it. It's not something I've seen a lot. So for me, my interest with kind of creating this structure was to, first of all, validate and support these kinds of relationships, but also to support people and being able to actually use astrology. Like I'm all about like, let's take it out of the inaccessibility of just like scholarliness, because I'm super duper not a scholar. Um, and just go into utility. Again, I know I'm sounding like a poster child of Capricorn, which I am. But uh, yeah, so so that's kind of my attitude. And it took a long time. Um, I worked with a writer named T. Greenaway, and we labored. We like lost hair. We lost sleep. It took so much effort to come up with the structure that would actually work for the reader. And hopefully we did it. And the way the process of writing the book went was this big mouth talked the book and she typed it and then we edited it together. So I have a very low tolerance for writing, even though I write all the time. Um, so this was for me the best possible way to write a book. Yeah, I can <laughs> so relate to that. I, yeah, I mean, I, I have a Mercury talisman on right now because I'm also someone who writes all the time and like, it's so painstaking. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's so difficult. It's um, awful. I, when people tell me they like it, I'm always like, huh, what, what's going on? Of it? <laughs> like, yeah, Good for I, you. Yeah. Hard. yeah. It's really hard. hard. Yeah. Um, it's funny. You kind of just like went into another question that I had for you, which is like, you know, you're a triple Capricorn. Um, I was going to ask like your sun, moon and rising, but mo I think most people know that you're a triple cap. I'm a Scorpio. I have my Scorpio necklace on um, with an Aries moon and a Pisces rising, if anyone was wondering. Um, but I wanted to ask you about how like being a triple Capricorn went into creating the structure for this book. And also, I guess, like how you see... I don't know. When I think of Capricorn, I think of someone that had that feels a lot of responsibility um, and takes on a lot of responsibility in life. And so I'm just wondering how you you see that Capricornness coming out in the book and the way that it was written and structured. Yeah, um, you know. I take astrology really seriously. I mean, I don't especially necessarily take myself super seriously, but I do take astrology really seriously. And um, I'm at an age and I've been doing it for a amount of years that I've just seen like trends. I, I've lived through trends with it. Um, and so, you know, my aesthetic is pretty pink and bright, obviously. <laughs> um, but my content is, to, I'd like it to be really, you know, accurate and useful. And so for me, the... The thing that is very, very Capricorn about this book is a lot of things. One is just the fact that it's like a reflection of a couple decades of practice, which, uh, you know, for anyone taking notes, that's a Capricorn statement, right? Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, and I never wanted to write a book like I super never wanted to write a book. I just at a certain point, I, I feel this sense of... Um, responsibility, not in like an obligation negative way, it, but 
I feel like honored that I have worked with such a diverse demographic of people over the course of so many years. And I've had the opportunity to work with people ongoing for so many years that it's just given me this like um, kind of perspective with astrology that that I want to share. Like I really want to share with people. And because it's a relationship book, being able to um, kind of encompass a lot of different parts of human identities that come up around relationship is a huge part of my practice. It's a huge part of my viewfinder. And I wanted it to be a part of the book as much as possible. And, you know, like in that center section, I'm moving away from Capricorn, but I'll come right back. That center section of like hanging out and dating, that was the hardest section because I actually wanted it to be about fucking a lot more, about sex a lot more. But I realized it was, I kind of like put too much into that section and I there's just so many ways of being a sexual being or being ace or anything in between. And these things kind of like ebb and flow over the course of life. So that was actually the hardest one because I'm such a literalist. I wanted it to all be in the section, but it just was its own book. So I couldn't. Um, but the, the other thing I think is just, I want, I want something that people can turn to in multiple moods and in multiple relationships. You know, again, it's just like Capricorn way of like, I want the utility to be on damn going and um, yeah, I don't, I can't really separate anything I do from Capricornness, I guess, except for my aesthetic, Aquarius. <laughs> uh, but yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah. I remember you saying when listening to, oh, it's so funny, I'm having this memory now. Last time I was in California before I moved here, I was um, listening to the astrology podcast episode that you were on. Wow. Okay. This is all coming full circle. Um, and I remember you mentioning that about like wanting to talk more about sex and then that being like its own book. And I'm just like, okay, but can we have that book? Can we do that book right now? <laughs> I know I'm really, really, really excited about writing that book, but it's really like, um, it's to do it responsibly is going to take it being the only thing I'm working on for a minute. Cause this right. is the thing is like, I mean, I don't mean to blow anyone's mind when I say, uh, straight men have written a lot about sex. They feel really competent and confident to be like, this is sex and astrology. And I have never been satisfied. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, <laughs> never been satisfied. So my attitude is like, I want to, I want to write something that does, you know, really encompass what I've seen in my practice, which is, you know, probably the smallest demographic of people I've worked with is, is straight guys. Although I certainly work with enough straight guys, not enough in a negative way, just like I work with straight guys. But um, I definitely want to create something that kind of gets into the nuance of the felt experience. Because the thing about sex is that there's a lot of reasons why people have it. And it's not always primarily around pleasure or like, I enjoy this in any way, right? Yeah. Just like people get married for a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with love or compatibility, you know? And this is where like sun sign astrology really like it falls flat for us. And where, you know, when people turn to astrology with this, like, tell me what's going to happen. Tell me, should I date a Scorpio or this? It, it doesn't work like that because what is your ambition and why? What's your motivation and why? And this is where my obsession with the outer planets really emerges because from my perspective, um, the outer planets, in particular Saturn, uh, which is some people say not an outer planet, I, I kind of hold it as one, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, uh, and Pluto, 
to me and the way I use astrology, they articulate uh, ancestral and inherited issues. They articulate uh, mental, spiritual, and emotional and physical health issues. Um, and the things that come from our generation, which means that they are kind of related to blind spots, like they fall out of our viewfinder because so many people resonate with us. It seems like the only truth. Um, and from where I'm sitting, those things can often dominate the choices we make or the way we don't make choices and we let life or people choose us. And so um, the the kind of the way that I work with astrology and sex, it is really nuanced. And it's like, how do you, how does anyone like write a book or create like a, a static document that effectively kind of um, s synthesizes the uniqueness of a human person with like varying fluid needs. <laughs> yeah. like it's, it drives me nuts. This, tough is, job. this is the problem with books, right? I, I mean, books are great. I learn from books. I encourage people to read books. But astrology is about the synthesis, right? It's about like the wind hitting the sail. The prettiest sailboat in the world is just an object until it's on the water and the wind hits the sail. And that's what astrology to me. It's really about the synthesis of our parts and how that, like the synthesis of our math plus our, our free will and our soul come together to fuck shit up or make good choices or whatever it is. Yes. Like that's like really, <laughs> it's hard to fully give that to people in a book, you know? It, it, so maybe that's the Capricorn answer too. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Yeah. That um, so, you know, aside from writing and writing this book horoscopes i read your you're like one of the only people whose horoscopes i actually read because it you. just like comes conveniently in the middle of the week and when i'm scrolling through my emails and i'm like ah let me see what jessica has to say about pisces because yes. i read my rising sign um but but yeah so besides that you obviously have ghost of a podcast which you know i think probably my favorite podcast music at the end I like turn it up just to hear that that ends. That makes song. me so happy. I like always wish that it lasts longer because I, I really, really love it. And it was a big inspiration in picking my podcast music. So just Which I to cannot you know. wait to hear. Didn't it yes. just, your podcast just launched in this past week, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, last Saturday. So What's the name of it? Just so everybody knows and they can watch and listen. <laughs> it's called The Astrology Show. The Astrology um, Show. We have two episodes. So yeah check it out but um anyway about your podcast okay. Okay, um yeah I mean it's it comes off as very evident that you love doing the podcast you love making the podcast and we love hearing it um so I just wanted to ask like you know especially because I just got into podcasting what is it about it that is so impactful like why do you love it so much I love it so much I want to marry it like I don't even need to be open or non-monogamous I just want to <laughs> fucking marry it old school make it my wife I yes. will pay for everything kind of thing you know what I mean I love podcasting and it shocks me because I one of my dearest friends for years was like you need a radio show before podcasts and then he was like you should get a podcast and I was like you don't know me no. And then <laughs> I started doing um, self-service podcasts with Jericho Mandibur for Girl Boss. And it was like a like a seven minute segment. And I was like, 
Oh, this is like, I'm like penguin wingsing over here, but I feel like I'm a condor and I've got this massive wingspan. Let a bitch go. And then when the show got canceled or ended or whatever it was, um, I took within seven days, I was like, I guess I'm going to just make my own podcast. And so (laughs) I just like did it without a whole lot of planning or forethought, which is like for me the best way to do things like that. Because if I overthink it, I'll just never do it. Um, and I, I called it Ghost of a Podcast, honestly, because I was like, it's not a real podcast. It's a ghost of a podcast. <laughs> it's a wisp of a podcast. I, I almost called it wisp of a podcast. But oh I my thought God. Ghost of a Podcast would be better because I was like, I don't even know if I want it to be about astrology. Maybe it'll be more about my mediumship work. Um, but I very quickly figured out that it was this thing I'd always been waiting for because the limitations of writing that we've talked about don't exist. I can just fucking say what I want to say and I can get into the nuance and I'm less precious with what I say when I'm verbally saying it because the word just flew by, you know, I mean, now I'm transcribing them. So it's so stupid, (laughs) but, um, I, it allows me to do what I really love, which is reading people's charts. And it allows me to not only give you know, my whole career, I've I've worked full time, like since the end of 1999, full time as a consulting astrologer. So I've met with clients for a living and I love doing that. It's my favorite thing, honestly. Um, but what I've learned through the podcast is instead of doing one on one, I can do one on one and one on many at the same time. And so I can help a huge amount of people at at once while still actually serving an individual. And at the same time, it like does this like triple duty of allowing me to teach how I do astrology, which is I don't love teaching. I don't know if I'm very good at it because I'm like, eh, go study that, learn that, come back. We'll focus on this. Like, I'm just not a great detailed teacher that way. Um, but I I love being able to just like model how to do things. And ex- I, I don't know. People tell me I'm good at teaching things. I don't really know that I am. But whatever. I, th- I digress. But the upshot of what I'm trying to say is that um, it allows me to, to, yeah, teach and model in the way that I enjoy. And I can, this is going to sound cheesy and stupid, but I feel the connection with people. Like I, I, it's, you know, I, in addition to being an astrologer, I'm also a psychic and a medium. And I just want to say for anyone listening, being an astrologer is not equal to being a psychic. Don't show your astrologer friends your palms. They can't read your auras necessarily. Thank you. No, no, thank you. (laughs) It's so annoying that people don't know the difference. Also, I get it, but um, I'm an annoying person because I actually am psychic and a medium and I read tarot and I'm an astrologer, but that these things are distinctly different and took different study and are different skills. So guys, figure it out. Okay. So, um, so for me, as a, like a, as a psychic person, I energetically like to tap into really the best in people and in the people that I'm connected to through the podcast. And, um, yeah. And it's just like, it's like a practice that I feel really passionate about. And I feel really passionate about in these incredibly trying times that if we don't kind of step up to the transformation that we all as individuals and as a collective need to embody, you know, it's going to get on top of us. I mean, it's already on top of us, but it's going to, It's. I mean, you know, astrologer to astrologer, it's not about to get better and it's not going to go away on its own. So, you know, I will also say, which is not exactly what you asked, but watch me damn go. 
a big part of why I started the podcast and like what actually finally pushed me to do it was, um, was this astrology, you know, of, of this year of 2020 and of what's coming next. Um, because I really am of the conviction that emotional intelligence is the foundational thing that we need as activists, as concerned citizens, as like healthy people healing from trauma, um, you know, all of it. I, I really think that emotional intelligence is key and astrology can be used as a way around emotional intelligence because it's so analytic. Um, and I like to use it to go straight into it as much as possible. So my hope with the show was to create a resource to connect the social, the political, the personal, um, and connect it all through the amazing tool called astrology that we are obsessed with. Yes. So, yeah. So I, I super fucking love it. I just love it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I said, it's super evident. And I think you do such a great job of blending all those things together in your show. And, you know, just to put it out there, I, the mediumship episodes that you have done, um, including the ones that were like in person, you know, at events and then also with the animals, um, those are some of my absolute favorites and I cry every single one, every single mediumship one. Um, so yeah, I mean, I know you can't do events these days, but, or at least not in person, but if you ever do more of those, I mean, I just, I no get a lot of this. No one's asked me a mediumship question in a long time. I don't okay. think. Well, actually, maybe, maybe I'll write in. <laughs> write it in. You know, the, the event that I did, it was in San Francisco and it was at the San Francisco spiritualist church. And it was, um, such a wild experience. Cause I'd never done anything like that before. And it was, um, yeah, there's just dead people everywhere. I gotta say, that um, with COVID, there's just dead people everywhere. And there's so many people in mourning. And then people who have grief latent, you know, from other losses unrelated to COVID, unrelated to the to this period, it's triggering them. This is just for mediums, for people who are energetically sensitive, the kind of psychic toll of this period is dramatic, just, just in that one context. And, you know, I think that, um, I think that the, the, the thing about mediumship is that it is really, I think it can be really inspiring for people. I think it can also be confusing for people because it's kind of like, um, this is going to sound weird, but watch me go. It's kind of like sex positivity. People are like, well, if I'm sex positive, then I should like everything sexual. And people think, well, if mediums exist, then I should be able to talk to my dead loved one. And it is it is not that simple or that straightforward. And, you know, it's it, I always get nervous with the medium stuff because I don't want to contradict somebody's religious convictions and my experience as a medium of dead people and what happens after we die kind of fucks up the whole heaven and hell thing. Like it really, honestly, there's no heaven and hell from my perspective. Um, you know, maybe maybe I'll die and be like, shit, I got that one wrong. <laughs> but I, I mean, from all the dead people I've talked to, it really doesn't seem that way. Yeah. So, but I but I do worry about that, you know, because I don't want to offend people. But I mean, yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, I don't even. That didn't even cross my mind because to me, it's always been so like 
like true like that's that's the truth and so that's very yeah that makes sense um but yeah speaking of this time period 2020 and all of the fear and the overwhelm and you know everyone's feeling it in their bodies and seeing it you know in their personal lives and on the news everything and it's a lot um how do you have advice for anyone out here listening about how we can use our astrology, even just like if we only know some basic things, like how can we use astrology to help us move through this time? You know, I think the first step is don't look for the answer. The answer is a mistake. Instead, look for authenticity and healthiness in the moment and on the path. It's about using astrology especially if you're like a student in early years and you're not like super independent uh, with your with your use of astrology or you're just kind of like an astrology fan and not really like a heavy student, you can learn about like, as I, as I talk about horoscopes on my podcast, I break down the transits of a day or of a week and I talk about them in, in how they're related to the patterns of what we're going through. And in using astrology that way, just as something as simple as like taking notes and sticking it in your planner, it can allow you to have a little more grace when somebody at work is an asshole to you and you can be like, oh, it's that shitty transit. That shitty transit is doing something shitty to that person and then they're shitting on me and now they're shit everywhere. But also it's the transit. It's not that they're a bad person necessarily. And it's not that, you know, I did something wrong necessarily. It's here's the energy. So how am I going to respond with that energy? And again, like back to the emotional intelligence thing, I think that in life, it is very tempting to react and react and react. And what I think astrology is a great tool for is, you know, you're still going to live your life and react, but then to like take a beat and think about whatever is happening and then choose how you respond. And that makes life a lot more effective. And in the context of social issues, um, I mean, I have, I have so much to say, and I don't want to totally um, de- derail the conversation from relationships and stuff like that. But I, this is not meant to be a time astrologically where we are comfortable. We're meant to dismantle the very systems that are uh, within our society that are putrid, that are rotten. And we all are implicated in it in different positions but we're all implicated. And so understanding that astrology is not making that, astrology is articulating that um, and giving us tools for, to figure out how that how that kind of engages with what we are and what we're capable of. I also think that if, you know, some people are really anxious and they can't handle any kind of prediction that's negative, uh, don't fuck with astrology. <laughs> There's other things out there. Like, obviously, like I'm obsessed with astrology and I want everyone to listen to my podcast and read my book and all the things, but it's not all things are for all people at all times. And if your stress level's too high, uh, don't, don't fuck with it, you know, develop other tools and then come back to it when you can make use of it. And I think that that's, um, I think that's an important thing. Like we don't need to be monogamous to astrology. You know, we can just like fuck around, see how it works, walk away, come back. Um, and I think that it's important to be willing to do that because these times are really trying and we need um, we need to keep on checking with ourselves and pivoting, you know? So I don't know if I fully answered that question, but that's... Yeah, that was helpful. Yeah. Um, kind of picking backing off of that 
like how can people well so i guess i'll put it this way i've had at least a lot of um newer clients who have been into astrology for a while but like because of quarantine because of a lot of extra time on their hands to be able to focus on something have been like really getting into astrology and I love it. It's so, it's so great to see. And it's really exciting. Um, people come to readings with a lot of questions and I love that. But, um, I wanted to know if you have advice for people who are starting to use astrology more and more in their lives and are also navigating their lives and relationships during this time, especially in quarantine, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I think that, you know, when you're learning astrology, you can kind of become like, whoa, this tool is so amazing. And you want to try it out on everyone. And, um, I think that, that, that sometimes we can become overzealous and use it. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm thinking of people who are like in quarantine with loved ones um, or not in quarantine with loved ones, but like talking to people like on Tinder or something and, you know, using astrology. And do you you know what I'm saying? I totally know (laughs) what you're saying. Basically. okay, because I also see this with the questions I get for the podcast. Um, I'll say a couple things. The first thing is what I've noticed with the questions I get for my podcast is people are like, so I keep on having this relationship pattern, you know, and it's X, Y, Z. And I think it's related to my mom because my mom was X, Y, Z. And I'm sure it comes from Chiron square to my South node. And I'm like, where did you come up with that? So the thing is, when you when you start studying astrology and using astrology, you kind of got to think like a journalist. You can't go in with a foregone conclusion and be like, I'm fucked up in this way. Where much art can I find it? That's not a, that's not using astrology properly. And this is the downside of how accessible astrology is right now. And before I say the downside, I want to say, I'm so fucking glad that astrology is so accessible. Like, but there's, you know, nothing's perfect. Um, is that just reams of people have access to a blog post on fucking everything, and they don't have any foundation. So the problem is you can't really make use of the data if you don't actually have the data. So, um, you know, I mean, it's like, it's just a learning process. And so I I think that brings me to another part of my answer to this question of like, if you're actually going to study and you're going to try to like read for people, uh, get a beginning book. Like, I actually am a huge fan of The Only Way to Learn Astrology series by March and McEvers. Did you ever see that book? I think so. I've probably definitely seen it in the store or something. It's, I mean, it's one of those, it's from the 80s. Uh, March okay. and McEvers were actually like uh, a big part of the astrology world. Um, they've, they've both crossed over now. Um, but there's this, it's a series and it literally is a workbook. You know, oh, it's just yes. I've heard workbook. you talk about it before. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm obsessed with it because the first astrology class I took in 1992, Two off, like it was. Um, it was, you know, before computers, like nobody had a computer. We had to learn how to do the show in my hand. I mean, computers existed, but it's not like, I don't know. If yeah, one. I mean, yeah. the internet like was born at that point. So it was born. It was born. But it, I, I sure as hell didn't have a fucking computer. No, Anyways, yeah. The moral of the story is um, so what I learned when I learned, I learned on that book. So I, I took a class with a professor in an alternative college I went to in Montreal, where I'm from. But um, 
he had us get this book and, you know, we'd fill it out. And in 1992, all the references were so dated. I was like, I don't know who these people are. Like, I don't know why you're telling me about. Anyways, so it's just like, if you get the books, you'll be like, where did she point me? But it teaches the basics. It teaches the glyphs. It teaches the planets and rulerships and like elements and qualities and keywords. And it gives you the foundations to be able to then look at a blog post and be like, this is not actually good. Or this is great. I'm going to add this to my my studies because there's no um, metrics, you know, with astrology. There's just all this data out there and it's hard for you to know whether you're reading good data or bad data, right? Um, plus, there's different ways of using astrology. And so, you know, some of my friends who are great astrologers who, you know, use astrology really competently, they don't fuck with outer planets. It's the centerpiece of my practice. And they're not wrong. And I'm not wrong. It's just different uses. People are always like, why don't you use Vesta? And I'm like, because I don't. Is there, <laughs> there's so many things I don't use. Do you want me to bring out the scroll? Like, it, we can't. And that's like, um, it, it's just... I think that people want to jump to the the like gooey part in the center because it's the most delicious part. And I cannot blame a person. And if I had the access to the internet that people have now, I would have done the same thing, I'm sure. But it's not how you learn. And it doesn't make what you're saying to the people in your life reliable. And that's what gets them to roll their eyes at you and be like, astrology's dumb, you know? So if you care about astrology, my advice is to just like treat it right. Give her respect. Yeah. And that probably like, would you also suggest, you know, just I would say get a reading with an astrologer to help you kind of make sense of all the information that you're that you're taking in. Like there's so much there's so many astrologers out there and who have, you know, price points from maybe even like $50 for an hour to hundreds of dollars for an hour. But there's someone out there that can help you and help you make sense of all of this. And I would even add to that, like over the course of years get multiple readings from multiple different kinds of astrologers because it shows you how people run their practice, how people work with, you know, the same data. Um, Cause we all have, you know, our own unique ways. And then, you know, if you can afford a class, if you have the kind of brain where you like classes, there's hella classes out there. And I would, I would even add to that um, post COVID times, or maybe even during COVID times on zoom and stuff like that, astrology groups are the best. I mean, it's where we met IRL. The first time was at Norway, yeah. right? Yeah. No, we met um, after the Vice Conference Brooklyn. in New York City. Was that before? Yeah. That was before. That you're was right, before, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. But again, another astrology conference situation. And and I, you know, when I moved to San Francisco in 1994, I became part of the San Francisco Astrological Society um, and then eventually East Bay Astrological Society. And it was like, you know, it was people who were like 20, 30, 40 years older than me. It was like it wasn't my demographic. But I learned so much from being around practitioners who had dedicated their like hearts and, and like time to astrology. And there's nothing like it. There's just nothing like it. And that's part of why the podcast for me works, because it's a way of like sharing, you know, and the I would say one of the most instructive teachers I ever met was a woman who I never learned her name. I met her once. She said two things to me that have shaped my practice. And and like on when she drove me home from an event once, like there's just like the magic that happens in alchemy of being around people and astrologers and astrology can get you two in your head. Don't forget that the use of astrology, if you're using it to like read your friends and loved ones and your enemies and your exes is about people. So don't forget the people part. That's, that's, I think very good advice. I've just given. I love that. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) 
Okay, more advice. Um, <laughs> all the rest of the questions are advice. Great, good, good. I love advice. <laughs> um, so, you know, we're in this time period right now, and we had a little glimpse into Saturn and Aquarius um, this spring. And so Saturn's back in Capricorn right now. People are finishing up their Saturn returns and also preparing for Saturn returns. So Saturn and Capricorn people almost out of the woods come December and then Saturn and Aquarius people begin that journey. Um, words of advice for us as as Saturnian returners. Yes. Um, with love, yeah, from from the Saturn Queen. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I, you know, well, the Saturn and Capricorn and Saturn and Aquarius journey is a very different journey. And the Saturn and Cap people, um, I'll just start there because TikTok, you got five more minutes and that's it. Um, nobody envies late degree Saturn and Capricorn people in 2020. Are you one of those people? No, I'm oh. one degree Aquarius. So. Oh, shit. Oh, well, you're practically. I've, I've had my Saturn return twice already. So. Yeah. You got one more big hit or two more <laughs> yeah. hits. One, one more hit. hit. One, one more, more hit in hit. January. Yeah. It's a big one. Yeah. It's a big time. I mean, to be Saturn returning during the social uprising that we're in, to be Saturn returning during fucking glo- global pandemic uh, and all the crazy shit that's happening politically and socially and the kind of internal transformations that we're all kind of going through means coming of age and coming into the kind of maturity of mastering how you are meant to be a part of society during this shit. I mean, no big deal. No, res- no big responsibility. I mean, my God. So the Saturn and cat people, I think the advice I would give in this final pass of your Saturn times is be gentle with yourself. When you seek to advance your humanity and you compromise your humanity and how you handle yourself, you're fucked. And the reality is, Saturn return, Capricorn people, the people who are at the late degrees of Cap, you're dealing with fucking Mars. You're dealing with Mars being like, fuck you to Saturn. And that Saturn-Mars square, oh, God. And your Saturn (laughs) is so close to Pluto. And so you're dealing potentially with a Saturn-Pluto issue. I mean, there's just so much pressure. And so the key is, you know, you don't need to prove yourself and you don't need to be perfect. It's about acting in integrity. Saturn and Capricorn is like... I think of Saturn in Capricorn as so much about like being a conservationist, not a conservative, a conservationist, learning how to conserve your energy, to conserve uh, the shit that comes out of your mouth, to conserve what you give to people, to be a a conservationist and how you approach um, self-care and your life in general, the world in general. I think that is probably the most sustainable approach given the Michigas of the world. Now, Saturn in Aquarius is a slightly different story because Saturn in Aquarius, um, I want to say these, but you, you people, um, and and I do think it's incredibly different. Somebody who's in the first six degrees of Aquarius versus somebody who's in their, you know, the 20 degrees, because you're already like almost done. And some people haven't even started properly feeling their Saturn return yet. So we are talking about kind of like a wide range of people. Um, So... Saturn in Aquarius for the first, let's say, 10 degrees of Aquarius. I would say for for this demographic of people, the key is to really know that what you do fucking matters. What you do counts. Sorry, no pressure. No pressure at all. Sorry. I'm cool. Um, I'm cool. That's fine. Yeah, no no big deal, right? Um, But what you do really matters because 
what you're doing is you're coming of age in this, which I see the sudden return as a coming of age. Um, you're coming of age in this moment of revolution. And so you are the youngest adults in that revolution because from my perspective, uh, the sudden return is when we become an adult. It's, it's really like the adult line, you know, um, for better or worse. And so, you know, being the youngest adults in a revolution is a fertile and powerful thing. And making sure that you don't abandon yourself through that process is essential because the problem with Saturn Aquarius is you can get in your head about it and be like, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? And then it goes into paralysis. There's no action at all or inertia or whatever. Um, and so there is a way that the that first 10 degrees, I feel like there's all this extra pressure on your generation to um, figure it out and do it, like figure it out and do it now. In terms of like a little bit later in, in the Saturn and Aquarius, honestly, part of me wants to say like, let's talk about this after the election. <laughs> what are the conditions we're dealing with? Um, because, you know, I am obsessed with the themes of Saturn and Aquarius and what happens historically when Saturn is in the sign of Aquarius. And it is always a time for upheaval and revolution and power being brought back to the people by the people. And is it the people who are in their Saturn return who are responsible for that? No, not alone, but you are a massive part of it. And so the thing I would say for somebody who's, you know, after that 10th degree of Aquarius is it's okay to give yourself a minute here, give yourself a year, 2020, 2021, to really determine for yourself, who do you want to be in this? Because you got to, I mean, you're, you're here to be somebody in it, you know? And so many people have asked me the question, shit, this is my sudden return. What am I supposed to do? And it's like, this is your sudden return. Only you can determine what you're supposed to do. The sudden return is the, one of the few times where we can seek models of behavior. We can seek mentorship, but only if it facilitates our embodiment of our adulthood. It's a real fucking pain in the ass. That's why people don't like it because it's very difficult and it's, it comes with all this pressure, that Saturnine pressure of like, um, Saturn is related to mastery, but the level of mastery that we can achieve at the Saturn return is frustrating because now you're mature enough and old enough to know what you haven't yet done. It's really fucking annoying because when you're in your, in your 20s, you can be like, yeah, I got this. I'm fine. And then you hit your fucking Saturn return. You're like, damn, there's so much more. And it's frustrating. And even if you are like a 22 year old who has that sense of like, there's so much more I could do. It gets more intense, as you know now, um, in the Saturn return. And I would say one more word about that. I hope I'm not over talking about the Saturn return, but I'm obsessed with it, um, is that this is not your only Saturn return. You know, there'll be another one. <laughs> um, and if you're lucky or unlucky, depending on your thoughts on things, there'll be a couple more, you know? And so I think that part of what's really important about understanding the Saturn return is understanding it is a meaningful point in a cycle of your mortality and not in a like, oh shit, I'm going to die or I'm going to get old way, but in a, I've got this run, you know, I've got this run here in this fucking meat suit. What am I going to do with it? Like this meat suit is on a marble. What am I going to do with that? You know, and and I think for me, that is a really exciting time to embrace astrology because astrology is points us towards and away from things, which is kind of convenient and helpful. I don't know how people live without astrology, honestly. I feel the same way. Right? Like, we have this tool. It's like the best tool that we could use. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Totally agree. Agree button. Yeah. Um, 
so so yeah saturn is entering aquarius um i believe december like 17th 17th. or something yeah um and then jupiter will follow and then they'll meet up on december 21st which is also the solstice which is also like a mercury kazemi i don't know why everything has to pile on in the same days all the time but so yeah we're working with that and then we also have uranus and taurus um and so all of 2021 really we're working with this square between saturn and uranus in in um taurus and aquarius lots of tension within fixed signs basically and i wanted to know if you had any words of wisdom for people who might have fixed placements um meaning planets in taurus or leo or scorpio and aquarius and i i'm I'm talking about them specifically because fixed placements are kind of notorious for not really loving change, especially when it's sudden and um, unexpected. And then, you know, definitely want to talk about people who have like personal pl- planets and points, like especially if you have a fixed rising sign, things like that, um, because you will be dealing with this pretty heavily head on but then also if you maybe could speak even generationally because like Pluto and Scorpio were having the opposition from Uranus then there's like Pluto and Neptune Ur- oh, sorry Uranus and Neptune oh god Uranus <laughs> Uranus and Scorpio Neptune and Scorpio <laughs> sorry mixing up my words Mercury and Sag um <laughs> So yeah, how can people like kind of work with this energy of, you know, all this kind of upheaval having in these in these areas of life that are tend to be more stable? So there's a couple bits of advice I'll give. One is an astrologer told me this years and years ago, and I don't remember who it was. Um, it may have been Lene Van Horn, but uh, when you have a square in your chart between, let's say, Saturn and Uranus, just to, to use your example or you're going through a transit that is really challenging for you, seek out a person who instead of has your Saturn, Uranus square, has those two planets trine. Because it's the same energy, but you get to see how it flows. Because astrology's energy and the energy running through our lives is energy that can be man- manipulated. It can be engaged with. And so what I would say is, if you are a fixed person, like if you got hella fixed things in your chart or just important fixed things in your chart, um, or you're getting major transits that are just like, ah, oh, I'm getting blocked in all ways, they don't call it fixed for nothing, um, then if you can find people to talk to or people in your life that don't have that same transit or that same aspect, because then you can see that energy model differently and it will give you insight into how you're engaging with the energy itself. Um, so that's like more of an astrology student or astrologer's trick. Um, but then, you know, because of course I've been thinking about this. I've been like, okay, how, how are we going to damn do a thing? Especially because with Mars squared to Saturn this week, um, yeah, it's not the same energy. You know, we're talking about cardinal energy and Mars and Saturn, but yeah, it's also kind of fucking similar. It's just like, brr, brr. Um, when we feel blocked or bullied by our circumstances. The key is to be inquisitive, you know, it's to be interested. And the thing about fixed placements is when we have them, we're not that interested because we already fucking know the answer, you know? I mean, I 
I know I certainly have fixed placements. <laughs> you know, it's like I don't need to investigate that. I already know. Mm-hmm. But this is going to be the time for investigating fucking everything. And it's exhausting. And so in regards to that, this is where something that I have great concerns about and I it and it's complicated and I don't think it's like, uh, you know, it's not a simple topic, so I shouldn't be bringing it up at this point in the conversation, but here I go. Uh, but this is where call-out culture is going to be a real problem because the problem with the culture of calling each other out as individuals, so I don't mean like in a systemic way, there's a lot of ways that call-out culture is very helpful and healthy, but in the way that it isn't, all this fixed shit that we have coming is going to, unfortunately, I think, trigger if the way that we handle other people making mistakes or doing something wrong is by blaming them and condemning them, then when we inevitably fuck up, we will either turn into total narcissists and hold ourselves by a totally different standard, or we will then harm ourselves. And so, you know, to me, the big picture of all of this stuff, it's happening certainly in the U.S. under the backdrop of great upheaval. And so the more inquisitive we can be, the more interested we can be in our own responses, our own reactions, and less fixated on what other people are or aren't doing, uh, the more agency we'll have. And fixed signs need agency. I mean, we all need agency, but don't take agency from a fucking Scorpio, Aquarius, Leo, or Taurus. It's just a fool's errand. So that's that's like my my quick answer to that. I don't know if it, it's actually super instructive, but it's what I've been thinking about. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's really helpful. Um, yeah, thinking about remaining inquisitive and all of that as, as a fixed sign <laughs> with fixed placements that is helpful it's just um, not easy though because it's not organic but yeah. the thing about like you know because you're scorpio sun mm-hmm. and mars and pluto all conjunct hey that's bananas <laughs> i know um, it's, but what what house do you mind if i ask um ninth house oh okay okay that's that's good it's nice not and as bad house. <laughs> yeah um but i mean i think with something like that it's it's about you know being inquisitive in the in the way, in the energetic way of your own nature. So for somebody like you who has that much Scorpio, and it's not just Scorpio, it's fucking Pluto, right? Sun, Mars, Pluto, wow, right? So it's about being inquisitive, but in a secretive, deep, personal, emotional way. It's not about being analytically inquisitive necessarily, because that's not the energetics of Scorpio. Uh, An Aquarius person might be more like, I'm going to figure this out. I don't know why I use nerd voice for Aquarius. (laughs) I have hello Aquarius in me, but whatever, I did it. I did it. Um, So I, I, I think that the key is, is to, to under, and this is again, where we come back to like the earlier part of our conversation. It's understanding the nature of our own energetic composition so that we can work with that to the best of our ability in like a windstorm with a fire NATO and like your internet's at out and your cat's meowing at you. Like, you know what I mean? Like everything is happening at once. And so we just can't lose track of ourselves and our humanity within that. And, you know, you named so many important things that are coming, uh, but there are more than the things you named, as you know, um, and including the Pluto return. And so for those of us in the U.S., all of our personal shit is happening with great upheaval yet to come. So I think that um, within all of this, all of this stuff, it's important 
you know, this is something I say all the time on my podcast, but I feel like I always have to say it. Um, it's important that we recognize that no one is exempt. No one's exempt. Everyone is going through this. It's painful. It's terrible. Um, there's a lot of grief, you know, in this, there's a lot of pain and the work is to stay with it and cultivate the skills to stay with it because that's what gets us out of this and into something better instead of more bullet band-aids on bullet wounds. You know what I mean? And it's a shitty metaphor. I shouldn't have used this, that terrible expression, but I did. And that's what happened. Sorry about that. That's okay. I, I think to, to kind of piggyback on that and ask one last question. Um, I think a lot of people are thinking like witnessing what's happening right now and also learning astrology and thinking like, where, what's my place in all of this and how can I be of service and like, what are my, what are my gifts? Um, and I guess like in a very general sense, like what, what should people look at in their own charts to kind of get a sense of how, how they can be a part of, you know, this revolution and this, this, the change that's happening right now. Okay. Watch me be a real serious fucking 40, almost 46 year old Capricorn right now. Okay. Watch it happen. Um, don't use astrology that way. Exactly. Cause I get tons of questions for the podcast about that. Mm-hmm. And my attitude is this is not the time to be special. This is the time to fall in line to fucking do the mundane work of activism, to call representatives, to make some noise, to hit the streets. There's so many ways to be a part of the solutions we seek and we need. Um, You can do it within the system, you can do it outside of the system. So find your ways based on your ethics, your resources, your conditions, your beliefs, Uh, but find a fucking way. Don't find it through astrology. I mean, this, you know, you're special, I'm special, everyone's special. We're astrologers, of course we know everyone's special. Um, But also, this is the time to find social leaders, political leaders, activists that you believe in and do what the fuck they are clearly putting out. Don't contact them directly and be like, hey, I really respect your work. Can you tell me what to do so I don't feel guilty or whatever? Like, don't do that shit, right? But instead, you know, there's so many resources out there. Sign up for any of the millions of resources and do actions, do actions. This is the time to be actively engaged. Love and light is beautiful love, 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 light. Uh, it's not enough. It's love, light, action, mm-hmm. you know? So that's my answer about that. This is not the time to like seek your special place in the revolution. Just fucking take a place, do the dirty work, get it done so that we can move shit along because this is this is emergency bells, sirens, go time. There was a fire NATO in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. multiple fire, what the fuck is a fire NATO? Every time you think, how am I special? How should I participate? Think fire NATO, jump out and do a damn thing. That's my, that's my answer. I appreciate that. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. you. Thank you. Not very astrological, but I strongly believe it. No, I mean, that's, it's, it's what we need to hear. Um, I, I think so. <laughs> do you have any like final, final thoughts or things that would you, something you would like to share? Me too. Wish that we were all like in the same room. I mean, I feel like People are probably in their PJs and like totally happy to not leave the house. But I wish we were all in the same room and I just am so happy we got to do this together and that everyone got to come and be a part of it. So thank you so much, CIS, for having us. 
This yes. is delightful. Yes, thank you. Um, I'm, again, so happy to be here talking with you about this. And although it's not in person, I think we'll, we'll get to hug again one day and it'll be like an extra long, extra, extra cozy hug. Um, but yeah, super happy we got to do this. Thank you for listening to the CIIS Public Programs Podcast. Our talks and conversations are presented live in San Francisco, California. Podcast production is supervised by Kirsten Van Cleef at CIIS Public Programs. Audio production is supervised by Lyle Barrere at Desired Effect. The CIIS Public Programs team includes Kyle DiMedio, Alex Elliott, Emlyn Guinea, Jason MacArthur, and Patty Fort. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe wherever you find podcasts. Visit our website, ciis.edu, and connect with us on social media at CIIS Pub Programs.